Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister, offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences wherever invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Hi, everyone. Hi, Francis. Hi, David. Hi, everyone. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. We're unraveling the mysteries of time and space so we can be happy <laughs> and trust. <laughs> yeah, so Francis and I had a nice little chat and we kind of looked over some of the questions and yeah, some really good uh, questions coming up. And, and this is the portion where we just uh, really uh, do Q&A after we share. But uh, first of all, Francis, how was that movie for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's the first time I saw that movie, actually. But I always really love those, um, those movies where it just shows the power of prayer, the power of the true desire. And to me, the whole movie um, really comes back to this moment when she let go. And I feel that is the true prayer when we talk about prayer that is really the true prayer because jesus says that um the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness because the one that is forgiven has everything and when she reached the point of saying i want this result i want this and want this but but that moment when she said did she even say that i'm a prideful woman right before and and just like lay out all her thoughts and in the end saying i'm here to to know your will and i give my son over to you i'm not i'm not in control even of my son anymore it's yours you know what am i fighting for your will and that is a powerful prayer i really have experience with her you know just anybody who has that sincere power, um, powerful prayer of thy will be done i will not fight anymore with you so it's just amazing 
Yeah, that's beautiful. That I felt too. That was like the key point in the movie was when she just pr- looked up, she prayed to God, and then she said twice, "I surrender." And you know, when we really do surrender, we feel the peace. All of a sudden, she was ready for anything. She was ready to go up and see the doctor, see her son, see Brian. You know, when you surrender, wow, you've you've just put yourself into the humble place of of grace, of just being carried by grace when you surrender. Because when you really surrender, you're saying, you know, whatever your will is, I'm letting go of my expectations for the outcome. Uh, And then the Course comes in and says, let all things be exactly as they are. That's a workbook lesson. There's another part of the Course that says, all things work together for good, there is no, there are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. And then if we just need it just one more time in a different way, uh, Jesus says, without judgment are all things equally acceptable. Wow. Without judgment are all things equally acceptable? What a state of mind where I can just go, ah, yes, all things are equally acceptable. Nothing is out of place. Nothing's going wrong. Nothing's going right. (laughs) Thank God. It's a world of illusions, so I'm not judging it positively or negatively. So I agree with you, Francis. I think that was like the the key point. And then also, Francis and I talked a little bit, you know, we've done quite a few retreats on, it's kind of like undoing the way we we process things and the way the human mind tries to understand. Because both Francis and I had, we probably have had over two decades of, of, of formal education, university, two decades of university. And I guess the, the formula for not only university, but high school and junior high, preschool, and everything, the way that you seem to learn as a human being is you you read and you study and you come to an understanding of how something works and then you put it into practice. Like doctors have to go through many years of, of study in the medical profession before they become a practicing physician. You see, you 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 study, you understand, and then finally you practice. But that's not the way it works with the Course. You you study, you read, study, you practice, and practice, and practice, and practice, and practice, and then you understand. You see? <laughs> the understanding intellectually for intellectual learning would come before the practice, if you were going to be a doctor or a firefighter or an educator, but not with the course. You you have to apply the workbook before you understand anything, because peace and understanding go together. And you can honestly say, until you have consistent peace of mind, you can honestly say, I know nothing. <laughs> you, you, you can honestly put your hands up and say, I, I'm clueless about this world. When you think you know something about this world and you're not peaceful, that's what we call an opinion. <laughs> You've got probably lots of opinions, and, and we all know that's not very satisfying. So I love that, Francis, when we, we did that, because 
that was a huge realization, you know, that the, the practice has to come before uh, the understanding. And the practice is forgiveness. It's, it's, uh, it's actually forgiving. Yeah. And even with, with the course, I, I know at the beginning, I was thinking if I understand enough, I would, I would know how to forgive as if I am the one who needs to know how the formula to forgive. But truly, even yesterday when I was watching that movie, it, it really reminded me that um, if I can really pinpoint what actually is the key moment of true forgiveness, it is the moment when, when the desire really comes forth, like what she did uh, in that moment of surrendering, like she really get in touch with her desire, the true desire beyond even an outcome. Her true desire is to, to say, I just want peace in this moment, even though she didn't say it in that word, but that is the true desire. I want to, I wanted to know your will. I wanted to have love. I wanted to let it all go. And every single time when that happens, forgiveness happens. It doesn't take not like a, um, a formula. It takes a desire. It takes a desire of the heart. And, and then after that, I, every time I feel like I'm, I'm willing to let go of everything, the way I perceive things, the way I think someone did me wrong or I did wrong, when I'm willing to let it all go and to say, you know, okay, I wish I'm wrong about all of it. And in that desire, when it comes forth, then all of a sudden I, I perceive truly. Then the understanding comes with the forgiveness. The understanding comes with peace where the, the, the means towards peace would be given, you know, the guidance would be given. But it all comes from this desire, which is the true prayer, desire of the heart. So it's, it's very, very powerful, our desire, our prayer. Yeah. The metaphysics really help us out a lot too, because if you really go into what Jesus is saying, is he's saying that if, as long as you believe in the ego, you're seeing a fragmented perceptual world. You have fragmented perception if you believe in the ego. If you forgive and you line up with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, you see the world in, in a happy dream, as a forgiven world. So the fragmented world of the ego and the happy dream of the Holy Spirit don't have a meeting point. It's our choice. We can, we can be happy and, and line up with the Holy Spirit and see the world in a brand new way, or we can try to do it the old human way, with preferences, judgments, opinions, expectations, and always facing upset. You know, oh, here I go, I'm upset again. I'm, I'm angry, depressed, I'm frustrated. And the Holy Spirit doesn't sponsor any of those emotions, not anger, not frustration, not guilt, just happiness and joy. So Francis and I were talking this morning, you know, that's really the power of the mind and the power of prayer. If you want something, you experience what you want. Uh, I think the most disappointing things, uh, I think uh, 
Burma, you wrote to me and you were saying, I'm, a, I'm afraid to pray because I'm afraid I, I won't get what I'm praying for. And what I always tell people is, the mind always gets exactly what it wants. But if you have a split mind and you don't know what you want, <laughs> there's a part of your mind that's holding on to the ego, which is the death wish. And then that means that from the unconscious mind, you draw up witnesses of of death, sickness, dark witnesses, not consciously, who in their right mind would choose to be sick? Who in their right mind would choose to die? <laughs> no one in their right mind, Jesus said, would, would choose death or sickness. But if you believe it, that must mean that deeper down, you have a desire for it. Jesus says, you made the ego by believing in it, and you can dispel it by withdrawing your belief from it. Isn't that beautiful? You made the ego by believing in it, and you can dispel it by withdrawing your belief. So let's have some fun starving the ego. Let's not use the power of our mind <laughs> to feed it. Why would you feed the beast? <laughs> don't, don't feed the beast. Uh, instead, line up with, with the spirit. But I think, Francis, that is the, the key to start to accept that if I'm perceiving something, it must be because I still want to see it. Even in that movie, What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams, when his, his, uh, his angel shows up, basically, and he says, why, why can't I see my children? Like he's being kept from seeing his children. And, and the angel basically said, you'll see them when you're ready to see them when you want to see them. And that's the way it is with everything in our perception. We won't see the happy dream, we won't see the forgiven world until you want it, until we want it with all our heart. You know, then we'll see it like Jesus did. But we had a, Laura Bryant wrote in a, a new question for us, and, and I think that would be kind of a good question because I touched on some really deep things in the movie, but Laura, had a, a question coming in, and yeah, it's a good old-fashioned script-is-written question. <laughs> and Laura's like, I'm I would like to have a little more clarity on that. So maybe, Francis, you, you want to, we see Laura's on screen here, maybe, Francis, you can read the Laura's sure. question. Sure. Laura wrote in, Dear David and Francis, this question keeps coming to mind over and over. How does the power of prayer work with the script is written? What plays out is a witness to your beliefs and responsibility for sight. Yesterday with the movie, when the idea of the power of prayer first came up, my mind seemed to go to the idea that prayer could somehow change the outcome of the events, that John wouldn't have seemed to live without all those people and his mother praying for him. But if the script is written and it's the past, the prayer didn't, didn't change the outcome. Then the thought entered that prayer helps to be in alignment with the spirit or at peace with whatever the outcome seems to be. Then thoughts about what seems to play out on the screen is a witness to your beliefs and the responsibility for sight, that what I seem to see is what I want to have happen. So are the beliefs I seem to have at any given point and when they seem to shift, also written into the script, 
since everything is really mental and just playing out on the screen. Also the thought about why it seemed to happen for him and not others also came to mind. But then the thought about the one mind and how we all seem to witness John coming back to life in the movie yesterday. Can you please provide some clarity? Oh, that's beautiful. Well, that is a line from the workbook. The script is written. And I think the core of your question is, is still trying to make some sense or get some understanding of something that seems to be an outcome and what is going on in my mind that is bringing me this perception of this particular outcome, whatever the outcome is. I think the very word outcome is, is like out of my mind comes an interpretation of a specific situation or situational thinking, which is egoic thinking, produces situations. And holistic seeing sees everything as a whole. All of time and space is one whole, not divided into pieces. I've, I've even said it's simultaneous. So ultimately there is no script because <laughs> it's all happening at the same time. That's why reincarnation, people kind of grasp on, okay, it's that soul takes a journey and keeps incarnating and reincarnating and eventually maybe in a hundred thousand years makes it back to God. <laughs> and that's very time oriented. But basically what we're saying is that, that what you want is what you see. So you, you had it right. You said, we watched the movie and we, we watched John go from laying there with no pulse and, and, and no breath for, for an hour and then his mom prays and there's a faint, <laughs> faint heartbeat. And then later on in the movie, he seems to completely come back. <laughs> he resurrects. <laughs> it, it looked like that movie Solaris. He was kicking <laughs> like uh, uh, in that movie, Rhea. And then he came back around and started breathing. And, and you're like, well, maybe we wanted that. We watched the movie and it happened in the movie. So I guess... I wanted it. And, and that's the thing is there is no external world. Uh, what Jesus is teaching us in Lesson 132 is there is no world apart from what you think. The, the assumption is that, that there's thoughts that are thought and then there's an external world, but actually there is no external world. So what you perceive is exactly what you want to perceive. Now, it's that seems to contradict everyday experience because if you ask a thousand people, they would say, Well, here's me and here's my desires and wants and beliefs and perceptions. And then there's there's a world going on out there with a war going on in Ukraine, and there's uh there's COVID going around and all this. And what does my mind have to do with uh, the war in Ukraine, or what does my mind have to do with COVID, or what does my mind have to do with anything of this world? And Jesus is saying, well, you're just looking upon that which you believe, and that which you believe is that which you want to believe. So if you want to believe in the ego, then you believe in the ego. And then you see the ego's world, a fragmented world. 
But if you don't want to believe in the ego, <laughs> then you don't believe in the ego. You forgive. You align with the Holy Spirit, and you see the Holy Spirit's world. So I'm going to use a, a physics experiment. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with physics. Uh, I love to talk about physics, but is anybody familiar with Schrodinger's cat experiment? Schrodinger's cat experiment? Yeah, you know, the whole question is, there's a box there, and the question is, is the cat in the box dead or alive? And what they found was, of course, it depends on the researcher. If the researcher wants the cat to be dead, <laughs> the cat is dead. And if the researcher wants the cat to be alive, the cat is alive. Oh my gosh. You mean there's no solid world apart from my mind and I'm just looking upon what I want to see? A private world of private thoughts. So I see people out there as if they have private thoughts and I see things as if they exist in and of themselves. Another good, does uh, anybody remember the double slit experiment in, uh, in physics? Double slit, you know, they, they couldn't figure it out. The quantum physicists said this is, this is very disturbing because we're firing these particles through these, these slits and they predicted what would happen on the other side of the slits on the wall and they were totally confused and then they finally discovered that if they put an observer, a little, uh, a little camera right by the slits, that just by the act of observing the experiment, these little tiny particles, just by the act of observing it, changed what the experiment showed. For scientists, this was, this was nuts. Imagine if you've been raised in Newtonian science your whole life, <laughs> and your experiment is showing you that the subjective beliefs of the experimenter are determining how the experiment comes out. <laughs> Even with double-blind experiments, you find what you're looking for. So, Laura, you, you wanted John to come back to, <laughs> to life. Not you personally, but, but the mind wanted to see a witness. And, and what seemed to occur in the movie, what seems to occur in our daily lives, what seems to occur in the movie, is not thereby random. It's not like we're watching a movie and it's external to our mind, but, but we were showing up yesterday open for miracles, open to be shown the power of our mind, open to be shown the power of prayer, and we perceived exactly what we believed. You see, that's how we start to open our mind up and our heart to God, is where we keep being willing to follow the Spirit and to pray, and the Spirit keeps showing us how powerful our mind is, and that we're just giving and receiving are the same. Everything we give is what we receive. Everything we believe is what we perceive. So we can't be complaining that things are going wrong in the world because our mind is determining what we're seeing. Now, Francis and I were talking this morning, and Francis was talking, we were talking about situational thinking. If, if you believe cause and effect are apart, then you start to see a world that's 
projected from the ego in which there are separate situations, separate people, separate events, and separate outcomes. And once you give it over to the Holy Spirit, you simply give up situational thinking. You, you give up thinking of it in terms of personal things. You, you give up thinking of win and lose. You, you give up thinking of good outcomes and bad outcomes. Because do we really think the Holy Spirit is, is going, oh, that's a good outcome and that's a bad outcome? Why would the Holy Spirit, <laughs> who's the unified love of God, be break the world apart into good outcomes and bad outcomes? You see? It's just our preferences. What we are perceiving through the ego is our preferences. If we prefer that John lives, guess what? John lives. <laughs> if we prefer that John breathes, John seems to breathe. Because our perceptions are the same as our interpretations. Jesus says in the Course, your interpretations and perceptions are actually the same. So as long as we're interpreting bodies, good outcomes for bodies and bad outcomes for bodies, then the world we see just reflects our preferences. You see, just like Schrodinger's cat experiment, is the cat in the box dead or alive? If the experimenter wants the cat to be alive, oh, the cat's alive. And if the experimenter wants to find a dead cat, oh, it's magic. The cat's dead. That's really what Schrodinger's cat experiment was showing us, that it was showing us that you can't take consciousness, you can't take a mind out of the experiment. This was not good for Newtonian scientists. They were like, oh, yikes. Our whole Newtonian science is based on having a, a, a researcher who is non-biased, so we can get our information from our experiments. And, and Jesus is saying, the world you perceive while you believe in the ego is entirely subjective. If you think it's a beautiful world, it is a beautiful world in your experience. <laughs> if you think it's a wicked, cruel world, it seems to be a wicked, cruel world with witnesses to show you that. You see, the mind is so powerful, it's just always perceiving what it's believing. And, and it's always receiving what it's giving. So if you give attack thoughts, then you'll see a world of attack and defense. But if you think the loving thoughts with God, you will see the world in a completely different way. You see, that's how it works. So thank you for physics for showing us that too. We needed a little help from quantum physics and physics to help us out with uh, that question. Because ultimately the script is still just a metaphor, right? You know, Linear time was not created by God, so we can't really understand linear time. And, and that's why, even though you're, you're saying, I would like to understand more about the script is written, Jesus again is laughing, going, well, why don't we practice forgiveness here, and maybe you'll give up that question. <laughs> I know, because I've, I've heard that question in every country I've been in <laughs> for the last 30 years. 
David, would you please one more time explain the script is, <laughs> is written? So we here we go. We did it again for the 4,750th time. <laughs> let's let's try to understand the script is written. Jesus is saying, well, why don't you practice forgiveness? And maybe that question will go away. <laughs> You'll see that it's all simultaneous. <laughs> so thank you, Laura. That's we love you. We love those deep uh, probing, probing, probing questions so we can learn to laugh at, at the question itself. Yeah, and I think that's also, you know, we we are so um, accustomed to situational thinking. So inevitably, when we started to pray, it's it's like situation remains as we defined it and perceive and, and Holy Spirit come in to give me the situation that is good as I judge it and avoid the situation that is bad as I judge it. That is the way Jesus said that that cannot work. That what he says is bring the, the truth to the illusion. The illusion is situational thinking and to bring the truth in to say like, fix this part of the illusion, avoid this part of the illusion. And Jesus like, is not the so-called bad events that give you pain, is that there is events at all that gives you pain. So give it, forgiveness means give the illusion to truth, give the situation to truth. And that is what I see the mother did, you know, from trying to, to even be in control of a certain situation and that means something to to the point of every situation is all up to reinterpretation for you you know whatever situation it doesn't even matter so that's that is a fundamental um difference there yeah yeah don't you love the power of the mind i mean i like just the witnesses we watched after they 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 pulled John's body out of the lake after they tried to resuscitate him, revive him. They put this chemicals in him. They did all these things. And finally, the doctor and, and Ev, the whole team basically just left the room. And, and only the doctor went in with her son just laying there with no pulse. And then I love that scene because he said, you know, take as long as you need. Uh, because... Basically, he was saying, take as long as you need because your son's dead and now you have to grieve and accept it. And her head almost shook when the doctor said that to her. She's, she's in the mode of God is the God of power and glory. God can heal anything. Nothing is impossible to God. And the doctor's saying, take as long as you need, ma'am. <laughs> and her head like shook a bit, almost like, what did you say? Like she couldn't even believe that he was assuming that she was now just going to grieve her dead son. She went right into prayer. She was calling on Jesus. She was calling on Holy Spirit, breathed life into you know. She was not accepting that outcome. <laughs> that was not in her mind. And guess what? <laughs> the, the specific reflection was beep, beep, the EEG started moving. You know, even though the whole staff and everybody outside was already accepting dead and gone. In her mind, she's thinking, 
Jesus, help me here and heal. And then, so it just shows how powerful the mind is. The witnesses come, even specific witnesses come in a way, they're just symbols. Because in, in truth, the body's not real. So a dead body can't really mean anything different than a live body, you see? If, if, if the body's an image that the ego made, why would we think there'd be a difference between a dead body and a live body? You might need to watch my movie Solaris, where Rhea, at the end, says to her husband, who's played by George Clooney, Chris, she, he says, with his eyes wide open at the end of Solaris, he says, he sees her, he says, am I dead or am I alive? And Rhea says, we don't have to think like that anymore. <laughs> That's one of the best endings of a movie that show you have the choice of your thoughts. You can think the dead thoughts of the ego or the living thoughts of the Holy Spirit. That's your choice. But don't start projecting those onto the people because people are just images. You know, we have to undo a lot of beliefs because we've been raised believing, you know, biological life and we believe we've believed it with the ego in birth and death. And we believe there's a time in between birth and death that we call life. And Jesus is like, well, actually, life is eternal. It's not squeezed in between these two concepts of yours, ego concepts, birth and death. It's, life is eternal because God created life eternal. That's the fact. And then we have to start to forgive all these make-believe ideas and concepts that we've believed in. And when we believe in them, then we perceive them too. We perceive that we're actually human beings going through these struggles when actually that's just a witness to, the, to what we believe in our mind. So this is deep stuff, but I think if you, if you study quantum physics, you'll come to the same thing. You know, there, I remember years ago, uh, I was studying the Course in Miracles, and then I was studying quantum physics. And I was in A Course in Miracles, and I was in Lesson 132, and Jesus says in Lesson 132, there is no world. Ooh. Then I'm over reading a quantum physicist from Australia. His name is Paul Davis, and I'm reading his book. And in Paul Davis's book, he says, there is no world. Oh my gosh, Jesus and the quantum physicists are saying word for word the very same thing. And Jesus is described as a mental construct. The world you perceive is just your own imagining with using the power of your Christ mind with an ego belief. And that's what makes it seem real. It seems very real because you believe it's real. But eventually you stop believing it's real. <laughs> and you start accepting that you're the Christ, that God created you perfect. You know, that's, that's, a big, that's a big shift. I see Emily and Dennis there from the Netherlands. Because that kind of, I feel like that fits in. Their, their uh, question is really a, a beautiful way of saying, I'm open to uh, go out on the adventure and, and be shown that the society is not doing it to them, but they can have presence and spaciousness and joy and laughter. So maybe you want to read that so everybody can behold this wonderful uh, expression.
Sure. This is uh, written in from um, Emily. Dear David and Francis, I would like to share my prayer as a way of cherishing it. My partner Dennis and me feel inspired to go traveling and have a life that gives more space to quietness and joy. My prayer is to find the inner freedom to follow our hearts. I'd like to let go of the belief that life is a hardship, that God created a world in which it's difficult to live and survive. I want to give my image of a world and society that is my enemy to the Holy Spirit. Let my only purpose be the healing of my mind. I want to choose to see a God who is only good and loving. Let me be let me be able to accept all his gifts to me. I wish the changing of my life, not in order to find external happiness or a way to escape the difficulties of societal life, but let it be the means in the process of healing. Mm, that is so beautiful. What a beautiful prayer, Emily. Thank you for sharing that. I think most everyone here on this Zoom room can can relate to the prayer of your heart. Like, I want the experience of being cared for. I want the experience of, of vitality and joy. I want to be spontaneous. I want to be guided. I want to be in the moment. I don't want to be thinking about how the world and society and its rules and regulations are trapping me into a place, a time and a space a particular job, a particular culture, a particular city. I want to feel expansive and I want it to be shown to me in a way that I can feel the experience in my heart. I can feel lit up like, like I remember years ago, I was, I would always look at the signs and symbols and I was, I would read the bumper stickers of the cars. And I remember one time I was driving and and I looked at the bumper sticker in the car next to me and it said, life's a bitch and then you die. And I was like, well, that's certainly the world. <laughs> that's a bumper sticker of the world. But I went a couple blocks down and another car got in front of me and the bumper sticker said, life's a joy and then you ascend. And Jesus was like laughing inside of me going, I'll give you a bumper sticker. <laughs> That's the ego's bumper sticker. Life's a bitch and then you die. And, and life's a joy and then you ascend is actually the Holy Spirit. So your, your prayer is right up the alley for Francis and I, because both of us, we just, we tossed everything out the window. We tossed our education out the window. We tossed our families out the window. We tossed our countries out the window. We, we tossed our careers out the window. We, we did it. And, and for me, it was like a moment where I was just kind of like, Ooh, if I give my life over to Jesus, that means I have to give everything over and say, maybe I, I've been mistaken about everything. <laughs> and maybe I don't want to be in the driver's seat anymore. I'd like to be a passenger in this, uh, in this, vehicle now and I would like Jesus to be the driver and I will be the passenger observer of what's going to happen. So that means that Jesus will take care of everything, where I live, where I travel, who I meet, 
where, where I get the food, where I find a place to sleep. And, and the thing for both Francis and I, is we both kind of did it, where, like I said earlier, Francis did have this idea that if she worked hard enough for enough years and saved enough money, that when she was old and retired, she would do what you're wanting to do now. <laughs> she, she had a, like a, a lifetime plan to do what you want to do in your prayer in several decades. But maybe, Francis, you can say what happened, because actually Jesus had a different plan. He, he eliminated the decades, and your prayer was to travel and feel joy and see the world and shine your light. And Jesus took you up on it, and he sent you on the road immediately. <laughs> immediately when I said yes to Jesus. Immediately when I let go of my plan to reach there, because I had a fixed plan to reach there, the same goal, you know, is, is the opening of the heart to, to be able to, to feel this connection with people in different parts of the world. And, but my plan to reach there is, I would say, is Newtonian way, like work hard, earn the money, um, have some saving in the bank so that I can, in the end, do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it. And Jesus basically said, okay, after I closed down my business, left everything, the first thing was to travel. It was unbelievable. Actually, I think it, it went on for maybe nine or 10 years, almost nonstop traveling. But it was given to me it wasn't even having to strive for the means the means were given as well and i i was just yeah i was blown away by by the fact that i don't have to take care of jesus says in the course if you take care of what i ask you to do in mind forgiveness i would take care of everything that doesn't matter which is everything in time and space everything what you eat what you where you go what you say what you wear everything and that is an actual experience he did he really did yeah i remember because i was raised christian so i remember there was something in the red letters that jesus said two thousand years ago that got my attention that struck me so deeply he said take no thought for the morrow and I was like, did I, did I read that right? Did he actually, did he actually say, take, take no thought for tomorrow? And then he went on, he said, take no thought for what you shall wear or what you shall eat. And he said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else will be added unto you. I thought, wait a minute, he's, he's saying something here, even though it's 2000 years old. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's very close. And now he's saying, take no thought for tomorrow. I said, now that goes against what my parents taught me. That goes against what I learned in every, I was, I was in university and plus before that for like 17, 18 years. So I said, well, take no thought for tomorrow. That actually goes against 18 years of education <laughs> that say, take all thought for tomorrow save for a rainy day. Even when I was in 
Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, it was always be prepared. Be prepared for what? For the future. <laughs> you see? And Jesus has said, take no thought for the morrow. I said, wait a minute. And this is the master speaking. I can, I'm, I'm willing to let go of 18 years of education if the master, the one who's wakened from time and space, is telling me something. I'll listen to the master. <laughs> Even though, of course, my parents and friends and family are said, you are nuts, David. You, that worked for Jesus, but it's not going to work for you. <laughs> That's, that, that was a, a rare experience. He got away with it 2,000 years ago, but you have got no hope. But actually, uh, what Francis and I can talk about, we could talk about for, for months and years about pre let present trust lead the way. Uh, it's only by opening the present trust that we, we were able to really tune in and hear and follow what the guidance was. And remember, the guidance is to unwind you from the belief in linear time. That's what Jesus means by the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it's, that takes you to an experience of the present moment. And of course, it's, it's very convincing when, when things start to happen and things start to show up in an involuntary way. Because there's no way you can travel the world, like Francis was saying, for like eight or nine years and be happy traveling the world for eight or nine years unless it's miraculous. And, and it, it is. But your, your prayer is, is just saying, I want to allow myself the permission to be shown that I can live a very happy, fulfilled life moment by moment without planning for the future. So I think that's, that's exciting, Emily and Dennis. Well, thank you for sharing what you did, because as soon as you open up, like Emily did in, in what she shared, and you just pray the prayer of, of I want to feel alive and, and connected and taken care of, and I don't want to feel trapped or uh, like I don't want to feel closed in by, by society and by all the rules and regulations. Because Jesus knows that while we believe in the world, he never tells us to break the rules of the world. He never told his apostles to, over, to overthrow the rules of the Roman Empire or the existing rules. Even when they were supposed to pay taxes to go into the temple to pray, Jesus said, okay, one of them go there and, and there'll be a fish and get a coin out of the mouth of a fish to pay the temple tax. I mean, it's a little unusual how they got the money, but I, I grant you that much. There's not too many fishes around with gold coins in, but still Jesus paid the temple tax. And for Francis and I, we, we still... We still paid the airlines. We still went to places. Oftentimes we were given hotel rooms and, and many was taken in to stay with people. It's, it's just the way that the spirit orchestrated it because, because we were going to, to be used by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then it seemed like everything was just arranged like a fairy tale. It was like a nine, those nine years of travel were like nine years of fairy tale with Jesus. Uh, and the thing is, when you even contemplate to do this, then like you're saying, Dennis, the fears will come up. 
And we all have gone through those too, because the fear, what about this? What about this? We've got our safety, security associated with the paycheck, with, with the job and this and that. And we need to be shown that there is a safety and security that's within us that wants to come and shine through us. So I just appreciate you for writing that in and sharing that because uh, I know with our community, you know, if we had everyone talk and share like uh, Pete and Linda were sharing too, there are many, many people in our community that have, have done quite a lot of traveling. It, we actually mainly had a travel ministry uh, before the pandemic came and Jesus said, uh, digital revolution, <laughs> we, we kind of, that's why we're here on Zoom now, <laughs> as Jesus sent us here. But before that, we actually, we were traveling more than most people could even imagine. I know Gary Renard one time, he, he told me, he said, David, I see your website and I get tired just looking at your coming events page. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Gary himself travels quite, has traveled quite a lot, but he told me he got tired looking at my coming events page because, I mean, we were just traveling like, like people couldn't even imagine. We, we went so many places for so many years, people don't, can't really hold it in their mind. They can't fathom it, but, but it wasn't like we were really doing anything. You know, we, we were just listening to the guidance. We didn't have any kind of a feeling of trying to go save anybody in the world or save any country. We were just having a blast being in the present moment. And it looked like <laughs> nine years of travel, but really, we didn't really feel it was that way. So I hope it was our answers were encouraging for you. <laughs> and if there's fears come up, then let them come up and, and pray on those. Uh, that's that's all for the healing, too. Well, what do you think, Francis? I, I think we can start to ask if people want to raise their digital hand. Also, when I was just listening to Emily's uh, expression and Dennis, um, I did again think of my friend uh, Sabine Gildemeister from Germany, who who we did a Facebook messenger call after just after she retired and she was just in her office uh, feeling kind of bored saying, well, I retired and I don't know what to do with my life. And I said, this is the first day of the rest of your life. This is such a glorious moment. And we had this powerful joining, which launched her on, on massive travels. And now she's, she's moved to uh, Peru. <laughs> She's she went she went off like a firecracker from being bored and and uh, wondering what she was going to do with her retirement to we had one call and she took off like a firecracker and still is uh, shining bright down there in uh, Purdue Peru she's she's letting go of her apartment in Germany her car selling her car <laughs> she. She kind of really cut loose from the past and she has gone like a firecracker and, and uh, it's been a lot of healing, but also she's full of gratitude for following her heart and not just succumbing to her retirement beliefs, <laughs> which, which were pretty boring for her. So, okay, well, I see we've got a cat. Hello, Francis and David. It's good to speak with you. Oh, um... I want to thank you so much 
And I want to thank Jesus for saying digital revolution. <laughs> it's made all the difference in my in my practice. I, you know, I muddled through the course for years in and out and not not getting it really loving it, but not getting it. <laughs> and until the digital revolution and I found all of you and living miracles, uh, it's made all the difference. So I want to thank you for that. And that beautiful, beautiful movie yesterday. Um, I'm so glad I signed up for this retreat like two or three, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, because the timing was perfect. Ego was being particularly vicious the last uh, few days before the retreat. And it, uh, it's just what I needed. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, adventure seems to be a theme that's coming up. And I, I want to put this out to the community and to you and, and to the to God and the universe and all of it that I I'm retired and I feel really drawn to joining and service and and being with mighty companions. And I've made a few attempts to like move back to go to Mexico. I loved it so much when I was there at uh, uh, La Casa de Milagros and, and uh, you know, takes a little bit of logistics. I think I, I'm being guided now to minimize everything, just get rid of all this stuff I've accumulated over a few decades. And, and I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, I was kind of afraid to put this out there, David, because I thought you might advise me to take a bus ride in Peru. <laughs> and it kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, a bus ride in Peru does not sound that bad these days. So um, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if Mexico is in, in, in my future, but I... I desire deeply to join with other mighty companions and, and to serve God. And I just wanted to say that. Thank you so much. Thank you. That says it all. I desire deeply. We, we all hear your prayer loud and clear, and so does God. <laughs> so Holy Spirit's like, I, I hear that. <laughs> and that's, that, like Francis has been saying, that ignites everything. What we desire we draw forth witnesses to, and that's beautiful. So I see that will be very lovely for you. It's going to be a wondrous ride. Thank you. Thank you, Kev. Okay, we have Jane. Hello, I'm Jane. I'm from New Orleans. This is my first time speaking on one of these retreats. So I just wanted to express my gratitude, David, to you and Francis for you and your whole team's just tireless dedication to helping all of us wake up. Oh, and this movie was the best ever. It was just, oh, just the whole completeness of the love. Every single person in that congregation stood up. Every single student at his school was, had a candle and were singing. And it just really moved me, just the whole totality of how much God loves us, how much our holiness can actually accomplish. And um, I'll never go back to thinking 
anything but the totality of that. And I was reading in the workbook this morning and the, the lesson was, I turned my future over to God. And that moved me because when you do that, you basically relinquish the past as well. And um, so I just feel that my purpose, I'm actually a certified public accountant and I help people get themselves out of trouble with the IRS. And it's a very, very, um, I'm gratified to be able to do that, to earn the trust of people that are fearful, have needs that they cannot meet themselves. And I just am very grateful to God for placing me exactly where he has in his plan of salvation. I have children and grandchildren that I have a fabulous relationship with. I have a holy relationship with a wonderful guy in Massachusetts that I've known for years. And our relationship is undefined, it's guided, and it's collaborative. <laughs> and so I just, I'm really, really thankful. And I couldn't have done it without the help of you and Francis and the course and the mighty companions and everyone that I meet. So thank you again. And I'll, I'll definitely do that for future um, <laughs> retreats. Uh, thank so you. much. <laughs> thank you, James. Thank you. You speaking is reminding me of the course workbook lesson. There is nothing my holiness cannot do. And that was, wow, that movie <laughs> really showed us the meaning of that lesson. Yeah, there's nothing my holiness cannot do. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your witness. Yeah, welcome and thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this edition of Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister. You can access more of David's teachings by visiting his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Tune in to David again next week on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network.